hello, hello. Welcome to episode 42 of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. Uh, this episode is for the month of April 2022. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing uh, for Episcopal Retirement Services, and I'm here with Kristen Davenport, uh, our Director of Communications. How are you, Kristen? Brian, I'm terrific. I'm just really enjoying this spring weather. It seems like spring is the theme of everything I'm doing these days, and uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, me too. We had a burst of nice weather uh, earlier this week, and uh, the flowers are blooming. The trees are starting to uh, have leaves, so it's it's a nice feeling uh, for that renewal. Absolutely. So the Linkage Podcast is dedicated to educating our audience about issues regarding aging, informing people about the mission of ERS, and how that comes to life in our everyday interactions with our residents, clients, families, and staff members. So Kristen, we've got a great show today. Do you want to tell us about what we've got coming up? Yeah, you bet, Brian. So today um, we have um, one resident as a guest, and Mm -hmm. her name is Judith Kahn, and she is a resident of Dudley Square in Louisville, Kentucky, which is a patio home neighborhood, which is part of Episcopal Church Home. And uh, Judith joined me, and uh, we had many things to talk about. We'll get into that in a minute, but you know, we also check in every every time we do a podcast, Brian, with our president and CEO, Lara Lamb, and I'm looking forward to hearing your conversation with Lara. Yep. So we got a great show coming up. So Kristen, you want to introduce uh, your first guest, Judith? Yes. Yes, Judith and I got together um, about a week ago, and uh, we had a great time um, visiting in person, um, and uh, then we agreed that we wanted to do a podcast, and we talked about many things, including um, her beautiful garden, and also a tradition of um, the Pasanki um, egg, the Ukrainian Mm -hmm. egg decorating that um, that she does that she learned many years ago and continues to share with her neighbors. So um, let's meet Judith. Welcome, Judith. Thanks for being here with me on the podcast today. Appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me to come. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Me too. Well, um, my co-host Brian got to have you on the podcast when we very, very first started this. I think you were on like episode four or something like that. So now it's my turn, my time with Judith. And I was so thrilled that um, one of the conditions of the podcast recording was I got to come down to Kentucky um, and join you at your beautiful home and learn the art of Pysanka which is Ukrainian eggs. Um, Some of our listeners are probably familiar with that. When you hear Ukrainian eggs, you've probably got that image of the very ornate, beautifully painted eggs. And you can see pictures of those on our social media and also on our website. Some of the creations that Judith has done with her friends, family, and neighbors. So Judith, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started creating these eggs. My husband and I moved to Tuscaloosa, Alabama in the uh, early 1970s. We had a friend who was a member of uh, the university church um, and her husband taught Russian 
And I, one of the students brought my husband an egg at Easter, which is a traditional way that you um, greet the priest on Easter morning. Um, And so we had that egg and I, so I thought, well, this would be fun. So I invited her to come and do a program for my young people. And I thought that's interesting. So I ordered a kit and I just started doing eggs. So I've been making these beautiful eggs for mm, long years, a lot of years, <laughs> since, the ni- since about 1974. My goodness, I love that. Well, I feel very blessed that you've passed this along to me. Someone taught you and you've taught me, but also so many others. I know you um, regularly um, have classes in your home for your neighbors. I do. And I, I have taught this Ukrainian egg writing. The Sanka means to write. Uh, I taught this in, in Atlanta, uh, in uh, Virginia, Massanutt, Bristol, um, Salem, Virginia, and down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I've taught it to 30 people, 30 women at a time at a women's gathering. Um, and that gets very interesting. But I've done that for several years when we lived in uh, Bristol, Tennessee. Um, I just, it's relaxing to me. Some people get really nervous about doing the eggs and they worry if they're going to get them right. And there really isn't any wrong way to do it. Uh, the fact that you call it egg writing makes so much sense now that I've done it. And I don't think I completely grasped it before I did it myself. But you were familiar at least with the process of batiking. Yes. A a lot of people are not. And that's basically what this is. It is to write with a a Kitka. And I even, I brought one so it could be actually somebody could, if they had never seen one before. Yeah. You you heat that in a candle flame. And then you dip it in beeswax and write. Um, yes. And you really don't have to plan ahead because your design can build itself. And I've experienced that. My design yeah. built itself definitely. And uh, how steady and, and good I was at being consistent with my dots. I did a lot of dots and circles, but also lines too, but Um, It kind of took on a little bit of a life of its own, but I'm very happy with my egg. I'm very proud of it. And it's beautiful. um, And I bought them. They're already, they're all shiny and pretty. So I can't wait to receive it. Thank you so much. Um, Well, you know, now is the time when everybody is thinking about the Ukraine. And I know you talked about how it's really an ancient art. It's, it's, it's older even than, some of those Christian traditions. It is. Um, in fact, you know, the Christians have been interesting all the way down through the centuries of a, a baptizing pagan celebrations and making them Christians. Right. Um, the Christians came into the Ukraine about the 10th century. Um, and they came in and they, and you know, they turned the worship of the sun to of sun, from the sun god um, to God's love. Um, and the growing season, um, the flowers, the birds, the animals are all speak of nature. 
Um, some of the eggs have uh, traditional modern designs, um, but they also have religious significance. Like the triangle stands for the sieve, uh, the fissures of men. The ladder used to be up, up to the sun god, and now the ladder is our prayers to God. Um, there are just there are a lot of symbols that have dual meanings, and we've or we've changed the meanings altogether. So right. it's interesting. Yeah, it really is. That is also something I did not know. So that was something else I learned on when we were together. So I really appreciate that. Well, um, so I hope our listeners will um, visit the website and and look at not only the symbols that we just talked about, but the eggs themselves. Um, the tools that you use, and maybe there'll be some um, converts who will um, try it themselves, do what you did, order a kit and try it. And um, I just think it was yeah. a great experience. And I really thank you for that. Um, and you, you can look these up on the internet. You know, it's P-Y-S-A-N-K-Y. It's the spelling. And um, you, you can find out an awful lot of information uh, Wikipedia always has a lot of information about everything. So there's you know. a YouTube video for everything, right? So find, find a YouTube instructional video. <laughs> I was lucky enough to have you, Judith, so I didn't need that. But yes. Well, your love of this art is um, one of the things that you do, but you have many interests, including writing, music. But I also wanted to talk to you today about your garden because right now it's spring everything is just starting to bloom and um i just think it's it's fantastic um what you've got out in your garden will you tell us a little bit about that as well my husband used to say that my having a place that had access that i had access to dirt saved him a psychiatrist visit because it you can work out a lot of frustrations in a garden um, and that being said, I love it. I just love the dirt. I love to get my hands in the dirt. To me, I don't like to wear gloves. Um, I do plant seeds, but I try to plant things that come up year after year. Um, I love the Lenten roses that bloom. I don't know why they know how to bloom when Lent begins, but they do, which I think is rather marvelous. Um, I love the spring flowers, although I do not have tulips because mm -hmm. deer love tulips. So mm -hmm. I, it's an expensive deer food. Uh, <laughs> they don't bother. I have bluebells. Um, and then I have, uh, I, I don't even think bay lilies and helleboras and I have clemen, I have clematis and columbine that come up year after year. Um, that's great my yard, is, my yard is small so and, you know I can't do a lot but it's uh, I, last year I built a walkway and then make, made a shade garden which is uh, ferns and hosta and uh, ground cover uh, variety and um, wild geraniums I, I, I like wildflowers too um, some people call them weeds. No. I love wildflowers. You know, if the bees love it, then it, we yeah. need to leave it alone. Yes, exactly. I agree. 
Well, tell us about your very special flower in your garden that only blooms once a year, because I find this fascinating. It is called a night blooming cereus, C-E-R-I-U-S, and it's not a very pretty plant, um, but it's very, when you, once the flowers come out, it's unreal um, because they begin opening 1030 um, and by the 12 o'clock, they're fully open and they have white, white blossoms that are bigger than my hand. I mean, they're just huge. Um, they have a very sweet odor. Um, we usually, I usually have a night blooming serious party and, um, we have been known to come in our pajamas and robes and, um, sit around and drink wine and wait for this flower to open. Um, and then in the morning by eight o'clock, it begins to close up and by nine it's gone until the next year. A so whole year you have to wait for it. Yep. Well, it sounds like it's worth the wait though. It is worth the wait. I'm sorry, I do have one on my phone, but I don't, I don't know how to do things like that. <laughs> well, I'll find a good photo, unless you want to send me your photo, but um, I can do that. I'll make sure we post that. Yeah, send me your photo of your night blooming series because that's amazing. And, you know, <laughs> what, what better way to spend a night than uh, drinking wine and waiting for a beautiful flower that only blooms once a year to, to open? That just sounds like a, a good time. <laughs> <laughs> My children said, all you need to do is add some incense sticks, mother, and you'll feel like you're back in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> well, it's been great talking to you today, Judith. Um, I know Derby is coming up, so I'm um, I know you're not a native Kentuckian, but do you get do you guys do much with the Derby down there at Dudley Square? Oh, absolutely. We do. We've had um, Derby parties with uh, my neighbor has them every year has for years, but I'm, I think this year, Gree has said we'll have a derby party at the new clubhouse. Oh, good. That sounds like fun. So, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I I don't know how she's going to handle the betting because we all had to pitch in money. (laughs) So we'll have to see how she handles that. That'll Um, be fun. Be fun. Yeah. One of the other uh, communities is doing a, a, a hat they're they're making hats and um the ladies i heard the ladies are uh, making and wearing hats and the gentlemen will be the judges <laughs> i don't i have no idea what the prize is but that sounded kind of uh, like fun <laughs> they, they need to they need to be required to wear bow ties oh there you go that's a good yeah. to wear bow ties so see how I'm, many of them can tie them now i'm gonna let them know that um because yeah. You know, up in Cincinnati, we're a little bit of Yankees up here, so we don't know all these derby traditions. So that's a good one. I'm going to show you that. I mean, the women shouldn't have all the fun. That's right. We, I mean, we all we all wear hats over here um, for derby. You, you have to. It's a given. You know, I may wear the one I had last year. Um, I love. I'm a big fan of the ones that they call a fascinator. Where it kind of has something that sticks out and is very, you know, feathery and very ornate. I think those are really fun. They are. Some of them, I just think they're getting 
they get an awful high. If it gets windy at the Derby, they're going to blow those little things off their heads. But <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's an interesting place to live. Uh, Derby, Derby, the month of Derby. It used to be two weeks, and now it begins a month. A month of celebrating Derby. You know, That's good celebration is good, especially this year because. I hear it's all back together and in person and everything. So that's, that's I hope good. I hope every the weather holds out and is pretty for it this year. We need it. We need a nice pretty weekend for it. It it snowed last year. I think it was rain poured down rain last year, mm-hmm. and they didn't even have that many people that were allowed to come in. You know. Hopefully this year will be just beautiful and no more snow. We don't. We're done with that. I hope. And uh, it I, do, I hope so. Nice too. weekend you know? to celebrate yeah. and enjoy. Yeah, I try to stay busy with and a lot of different things. Um, sometimes I don't stay still long enough to sit and read. I think sometimes I have ADHD because I, I don't sit still very much, um, which I think is probably good for old people, not to us older adults or senior adults should not sit all the time. We need to stay busy and active and doing things. Well, you, you definitely, I know, are very active. I know you you probably got more done today than I did. I know um, you traveled down to the river today to to see some native Kentucky plants that you're um, considering for the landscaping in the neighborhood. And I think that's pretty exciting. We're, it's going to be fun. We just would like some things that we can actually walk around in. Mm-hmm. We're going to have that in the new section that they're building. And... Mm-hmm. That'll, that will be good. Yeah. So lots of good, good not, things. A lot, of, a lot of new things and exciting things going on here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, Judith, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. What a fabulous interview uh, with Judith. I know I had an opportunity to um, interview her a couple of years ago when we were starting the podcast, but I I think what I really appreciate about her is just how creative and hands-on she is, whether it's, uh, as you mentioned, her gardening, uh, the decorating of the Sankey eggs, or her even her writing. Uh, I know she's taken a part of the Feet to the Fire program in the past, so... um, She's just so active and creative. I, I really uh, admire that about her. Uh, you've hit it right on the head, Brian. She is just an interesting person. Um, I've been you know, fortunate enough to know her for a few years, um, mm-hmm. but it, it had been a while since we'd been together in person. And, and she sort of demanded that um, I come down and learn <laughs> this technique um, in person. Um, Art is one of the things that I love, and I knew um, things about this technique, but I'd never done it myself. So it was quite a treat yeah. to go there, spend time with Judith, and and learn something new. It was terrific. Yeah, and I, I'll have to, for the listener's sake, uh, go to uh, the Episcopal Church Homes Facebook page, uh, and there are some pictures of those beautiful eggs uh, that she creates with you know, she's done some, her neighbors, I know you and, and Mike on our team also did some. So uh, they're really something to, to see. Thanks, Brian. And um, I will say, um, 
if you get a chance to learn this technique, take it. There's um, YouTube videos and everything out there. So don't miss it if you like creative things like this. Mm-hmm. Well, to um, move things along then to our next guest, um, Brian, you got to um, connect with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, and I'm anxious to hear what you um, talked about this time. So we're back again this April of 2022 with President and CEO, Laura Lamb. Hi, Laura. How are you? Oh, I'm well, Brian. How about you? Good. It's spring. Um, I guess it's not quite getting regularly warm yet with our crazy weather this spring, but uh, still looking forward to uh, better weather and the summer ahead. I am too. We got a taste of it this last weekend, didn't we? Oh, we sure did. It was beautiful. (laughs) Got my yard work done. That was good. Yeah. So I thought I'd uh, cover, I think, a topic on uh, many people's mind, and that's that's a a workforce topic. But but more specifically, it's uh, maybe our younger generation uh, that um, I think not only are we seeing more and more of a younger generation in the workforce, uh, as we see about 35 percent of our workforce is now millennials. Uh, is that is this what I understand and not specifically ERS, but the total workforce. But um, as they come into ERS, um, I know we're doing more and more to um, really work with a new generation that that that's contributing great things to senior living in our organization. So I wonder if you could maybe kind of talk about why that's so important to ERS and and why. Um, you know, talking about millennial generations' contributions are so important. Oh, I'd love to talk about it with you. Um, you know, we had a presentation for our, our staff not too long ago, and mm-hmm. um, really where it's coming from is a couple things. So, uh, you know, our one of our affinity groups that our staff have chosen and have asked us to continue is our young professional group. So understanding, right. you know, the hopes, the desires, the needs, the expectations of uh, the young professionals who we define as millennials and um, Gen X is really, really important. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you know, it would be crazy to ignore such a, this the largest group actually. Um, right. You know, there's five um, generations working um, in the workforce right now. So why, mm-hmm. Would you want to ignore the thoughts, the hopes, the aspirations of 35% of your total population? And, you know, um, so that's one issue is that it's um, our YP initiative, as well as I think it's just important um, as we we look at generations and there's just an opportunity that we sometimes fall into stereotype and Mm -hmm. um, sound bites about generations and and I can tell you that a long time ago, you and I were young professionals right, <laughs> and, right. and, you know, um, we did not appreciate it when um, those sound bites were, you know, not necessarily right. complimentary and they were based on stereotypes. So right. Megan Bradford is our C or our uh servant leadership team champion for the YP group. She used mm-hmm. to be one of the co-captains and she's kind of taken um, a leadership role of making sure that that continues within our organization. And she 
spent a, about a half hour at our staff meeting educating us on the hopes, the, the desires and the aspirations and really kind of really understanding um, YPs. And I just found it so fascinating and I learned so much mm-hmm. and candidly, um, you know, what we learn about the workforce helps us when we go home. I have two millennials in my family (laughs) and two Gen X um, nieces. So I was listening attentively to understand maybe what stereotypes I had fallen into and how I could help and, you know, what matters to, to millennials and um, Gen Xers. I I think it's Gen Z actually. Gen Z, Gen Z. Thank you. Yeah, we're Gen Xers. Yes. <laughs> Are we really now? <laughs> well, yeah, and I think just, I, you know, I'd underscore, I, I've always, uh, since my time in the organization, starting here nine years ago, appreciated the time and the effort that the, the leadership team has really put into developing leaders and that understanding of how to do that, I think, is, is so important to drive this organization forward as we as we see changes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, our numbers, as you said, are mirroring kind of what we're seeing on a total workforce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot that we can learn because, you know, just as every, every generation has those life events that really shape their, their generation, um, you know, generation uh, folks talk about, you know, that shape their American dream. Right. And, and right. learning about that, it's not to say that these events don't affect other generations, but these are events that happened in those formidable years. So right. for you and I, you know, the country's reaction to the AIDS crisis or, mm-hmm. or the, you know, the, um, the Vietnam War for maybe an, another generation really was pivotal. Right. And for the younger generation, our current younger generation, you know, it was 9-11, um, you know, it was the war on terror. It was the great recession. It was, you know, social media was so prominent in their formidable years. It was this new, um, wave of social justice, um, that got their attention. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, by starting, I love the way Megan did it by starting at kind of the basic of kind of what events, molded them, it really helped us kind of understand, you know, what, what those influences have done on kind of shaping their worldview and how they view not just social experiences, but, you know, life experiences, um, buying homes, college, you know, um, work balance, integration, all those things are impacted by those things. Right. Right. So, and there's definitely, I think is what you're getting at is there's, they just have a different perspective than other generations as a result. They do. They do. And, and, you know, and that's no different, Brian, you and I have a different perspective for our parents and our grandparents. So this is, this is nothing new. It's just, you know, different events have impacted us um, you know, the same events can impact different generations differently, depending on where they are yeah. in, in their life experience. So, yeah. So, um, so as a result of those events, what, what do you think ma- matters most to the millennials or what, you know, I know we've done some research on that. So what, what have we found on that? Well, it, it's really interesting. So, 
you know, and I can attest to this again, having millennials in my house is that, Mm -hmm. you know, they're much more in tune. And I, I frankly think I can learn a lot from them. Um, They focus, they, they, they want to be purposeful about having meaning and connection, authentic Mm -hmm. collection connection in their life. Um, They're much more focused than I was at their age on, uh, having opportunities to learn and grow. And to your point, being an organization that um, wants to be a learning organization and wants to Mm -hmm. develop people. I mean, what a better group. I mean, come on, think about this. What a better group. Um, They intrinsically value that. Right. And therefore, um, you know, what, what, what a great group to, to build upon that because that's what they want. Right. Yeah, it, it's so interesting as you talk about that, that that bridge between the generation that kind of taught us and now mm-hmm. the generation we're entrusted to develop and grow. It's interesting to to, to to kind of see those side by side and see how things have evolved so much over time. Well, you know, I thought it was really interesting. I don't know about you, but just kind of the 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 uh, peeling back the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, you know, I, I've heard people say, "Well, millennials are, um, you know, lazy, or they don't right. want to work hard, or they they expect right. too much too soon, and you right. know, they don't want to buy homes, and they 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 you know they they want to rent instead of buying." And and mm-hmm. Megan, I thought did a really nice job. Well, first of all. You know, it's funny if you go back and read about what maybe, um, you know, the traditionalists or the baby boomers said about our generation and you take away the context of the date. It's the same thing that our generation sometimes uh, says about Gen Z or um, millennials. So I thought that was interesting. But then the other thing is just uh, she had this slide that just blew my mind about you know, um, home ownership and where people, um, how, how people choose to live and, you know, why, why aren't millennials buying homes? And then Mm -hmm. it really got me to reflect, you know, how much was my college education compared to my children's college education in the, in the course of, you know, 30 years, how that has escalated between me going to college and my children. And, you know, the, the truth of the matter is that the younger generation has much more debt Mm -hmm. than our generation had. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I had that much debt, would I have bought a home, you know, right out, out of college? Probably not. Right. 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 So it's just like, you know, there's a, there's a story, a headline, but Megan did a great job of peeling back all those layers to really understand why, you know, um, their generation emphasizes freedom and financial well-being. Mm-hmm. Well, of course they do. You know, some millennials are paying as much in their college, you know, repayment of their loans that I did on my first mortgage. So. Right you know, I couldn't have done both, you know, (laughs) but I had never really thought about it. The other thing that was interesting that is, um, you know, if you put all of our generations back to the age, we'll just say for arbitrary reasons, my daughter's 26. So we'll say 26, Mm -hmm. 25, Mm -hmm. 26, Mm -hmm. the number of people in our generation that were married, but by the time they were 26 
yeah. compared to the current ge- generations of YPs, that statistic was like 30 basis points. It was crazy, kind of the, the swing. Wow. But again, kind of going back to, you know, um, this generation saw a lot of their parents get a divorce. Yeah. So they've that's what they've experienced. A lot of parents, uh, you know, with separate households. So, of course, that would impact their discernment in choosing a life partner. Right. Right. So I, I just uh, like I said, I can geek out about generational stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. And, and I, maybe here's another thing, because you, mm-hmm. you, you hit it on the, the nail on the head is sometimes we have these, um, you know, we we may have a generalization about a generation that, that maybe even we heard, uh, you know, like, you know, are, are you lazy or things like that, but what are some things that maybe we can do to bridge that gap as well, especially with, with this generation? Are, are there any, any, any ways to connect? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, what, what we learned is that it really, it's frankly, it's any stereotype, right? Mm-hmm. When you just focus on the stereotype, you're just there. But when you seek to understand right. and get to know people, that's mm-hmm. really when you can find those connections and, and learn from each other. So we suggested um, that there are essentially four things that you can do, right. you know, you can, be that curious person. How many times have we heard that in different topics, Brian? Yeah, right. Like you can be curious and you can, you can ask and inquire about right. what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that can give you insight to, again, what, how people are valuing their time, what they, what they're prioritizing. Right. Um, you can acknowledge that, you know, we don't have to have all the same interests. We can have multiple interests and Mm -hmm. seek to find those connections, but you don't have to have all the same interests to have camaraderie and friendship and good working relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think with any time you're trying to peel back stereotypes, it's so important to make sure that we stress sensitivity you know, sometimes I, I was talking to my family about Megan's presentation um, over the weekend, and mm-hmm. I'm going to share the video link so that they can learn it as or, or experience it as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the mindset there is to be sensitive because, you know, sometimes we default back to those those stereotypes or those, you know, headlines that we see that yeah. sometimes can be hurtful and, and not tell the same stories or the, the, the right story. So being sensitive is really important. Mm-hmm. And, and really how can we help all of us build relationships? So, yeah. you know, again, making those connections, seeking to understand, and then um, helping build those relationships within our organization are, are just really, really important. Yeah, I think those are some good tools, especially in a generation. I think that is very aware of um, good uh, uh, practicing good mental health and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being sensitive about that and and helping them problem solve, not maybe by just jumping in and solving. But but as you said, asking questions, I think helps helps guide the next generation. So I think those are all all great points. Well, I, I just want to turn our topic to another um, 
point of discussion, which is is very exciting, and that's an event we have coming up next month down at the Episcopal Church home uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, and that that's a, a much overdue groundbreaking event uh, that we'll be holding on May 18th. So I wonder if you could share uh, users just about the intent of that and, and kind of where we are in the process at ECH. Oh, I'd love to. Um... I disagree with you. It's not much overdue. I mean, who wants to have a groundbreaking <laughs> when the ground is, you know, frozen, Brian? Right. So um, right. I think spring is a perfect time for a groundbreaking <laughs> yeah. because I'm going to be out there with a ch- uh, one of the ones with the shovel. That's why I'm saying right. that. No. Right. So we're so excited. As you said, um, May 18th, we're going to have our groundbreaking. Um, you know, our master plan has been... Um, you know, started just after, ironically, we shut down and I'm so pleased with the, the, the progress that we've made, you know, we're probably at, you know, 85 to 90% of our construction project. And, um, it's just, it's so much fun to see, you know, I feel like that, um, 1970 healthcare building just weighed mm-hmm. ECH down. It was so heavy and it was so past its, um, useful life. And it was right. just, you know, it felt like, um, I don't know, a weight. Um, mm-hmm. that's the best word I can come up with it right now, a weight that was around their, their neck, just holding them back. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, that building has been demolished and mm-hmm. we are well into the construction on that same land of our personal care, uh, building that, um, we're going to have state of the art, um, personal care level of care and in great accommodations and great programming. And then the balance of the property are our new uh, Dudley square three, um, patio homes. So, so excited about that. And, and so the groundbreaking is just, um, a recognition that we are, um, breaking new ground and creating new beginnings and, Mm -hmm. um, a new, um, new journey for ECH that we're very excited about. And we hope that our, all of our constituents come out and be a part of this wonderful, you know, um, life-giving day where we really thank, thank God and thank um, all those that have helped us get to this uh, point in our master plan and, and look forward to um, a new uh, sustainable future for ECH. Yeah, well, I, I can second that. It, it it is really transformational, and to be able to share that uh, with folks, uh, uh, hopefully on a a nice spring day, will be will, will really be a lot of fun to share that with the the community down there. I'm so excited about it. Well, Laura, thank you uh, for joining us again this month, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, an update next month in in May. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to that as well. Have a great week. Thank you. Brian, there's a lot of great things happening down at Episcopal Church Home. It was so good to hear from Laura that we're finally going to get a chance to celebrate some of those some of those new things happening there with the master plan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think, you know, it's been a couple of years of the can- uh, pandemic and so much progress has been made. So to be able to get together outdoors and, and show off 
whether it's our new personal care building or the start of the building of our new patio homes. Um, there's a lot of exciting things. So um, that gathering, I'm really looking forward to next month. Well, that's it for this uh, latest episode of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, you can visit our website at episcopalretirement.com. We have lots of great content, including our Linkage online blog, resources to learn more about aging and the services we offer, and much, much more. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube to see what's going on within ERS and our communities. If you have any questions or feedbacks for us, please email us at info at erslife.org. The Linkage Podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and Brian Reynolds. Our technical director is uh, Caroline Perrier and has done an excellent job of starting to put together our podcast as she's new to our team. I'd like to thank our guests today, Judith Kahn, and a special thanks, as always, to President and CEO, Laura Lamb. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds, and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to our next podcast next month. Thanks, Kristen. Great episode, Brian. I'm looking forward to the next one. Take care. No, no doubt. <laughs>